Welcome to the Experience Talks podcast. My name is Jamie Young. I'm an educator with the Carl Experience team, and I am your host for today. Now, if you've listened to the podcast before, and I hope you have, you know that we highlight and talk about all things related to the patient and member experience here at Carl Health. We do that by having conversations with people from across the system, highlighting different topics and focusing on different aspects of our culture. Now, today's episode, no different. I have two special guests with me. I'm so very excited to talk to both of you, Dr. Knight and Dr. Wieland. And um, we're here today to talk patient experience, to talk about what it is, uh, why it's important in a number of different ways. And for the two of you, how you go about creating an exceptional experience for our patients. So why don't we start by having uh, both of you just introduce yourself and share an interesting fact that you believe few people would know about you? I'm going to defer to my boss. (laughs) That's always a good move. I'm sure. So my name is uh, Napoleon Knight. I'm the Executive Vice President, Chief Medical Officer for Carl Health. I've been with Carl for the start of my 32nd year and still love what I do. Interesting fact about me is I used to be a foster parent and my wife and I fostered, I believe it was 17 children, over the course of time. I should not have deferred, Jamie, because that's hard to top. <laughs> I'm John Wheeland. I'm the Associate Chief Medical Officer for Carl Broman Medical Center and Carl Eureka Hospital. I've been in this role for uh, just since January of this year, but with Carl for uh, almost two years. And uh, before that, I'm, I'm trained as a general surgeon and was in uh, independent practice uh, in Bloomington Normal for uh, almost 30 years. So an interesting fact about me, I am a gentleman farmer. I have some farmland uh, between here and Champaign-Urbana and Gibson City. And by gentleman farmer, that means that I don't farm it. I just uh, stare at it periodically. <laughs> and watch the watch the crops grow and and watch them be harvested later in the year. Interesting. Good deal. I mean, that sounds like the perfect kind of farming for me. So just random question. You probably have heard it many times, but what made each of you decide to become a physician? And the other part of that question, was there ever anything else you considered other career path? All right. Well, we'll switch this time, John. You go first. So, yeah, I, I think we've probably both been asked this question uh, multiple times over the course of our respective fairly long careers. My father was a dentist, and growing up, I always saw how everyone treated him with such deference and respect, and how he was really uh, how he was so important in their lives. If you don't have good teeth, uh, you're not going to have uh, a, a good life. And I, I think I gravitated toward that aspect of service. And medicine was really more to my liking than dentistry. And so I really, from a young age, uh, wanted to go into some field of medicine. People ask, you know, as a surgeon, what would you what would you do if you weren't in, in if you weren't a doctor? And I'm pretty sure that I would be in the building trades because I worked in the building trades uh, during high school and college and briefly during medical school. So I think I'd be a carpenter. 
Okay, great. Excellent. Thank you. That's a hard one to follow. <laughs> so I had a love of science and I'm a people person. And so I wanted to do something where I could combine um, the two. And I thought that medicine would be something that would allow me to do that. I'm a naturally curious person. I love learning. I love doing new things. I love being around, you know, new and fascinating things. And I thought that medicine would do that. And then I was very practical. I wanted to go into a career where I figured they would always need me and wouldn't be able to replace me, you know, with a machine. And I think I'm going to make it, although the machine's pitching up pretty rapidly um, at uh, this point. It's funny, in the past, you would have never thought that machines would be able to do as much as they can. Any Anything else that you would do besides be a physician if you... Sure. I in love, an alternate universe. Yeah, I love playing golf. So that was actually what my uh, career choice was going to be for a while. But then I figured out that I didn't quite have uh, the skill set, you know, to play as well as you needed to play in order to uh, make a career um, on the golf tour. It's a pretty rigorous lifestyle. You know, you're moving all the time. You're away from your family quite a bit. And that wasn't something that was going to gel with me, um, although I really um, loved it. Um, and on the side one, you know, a little bit of money every once in a while, you know, playing my colleagues as a child growing up. Funded <laughs> a few of my lunches in, uh, as when I was an undergraduate, I'll say. Well, good. Well, thanks to both of you. So mainly what I want to talk about today, the, you know, kind of the theme of the, the podcast is patient experience. And just briefly, why do you think patient experience is important and why is how we communicate with patients important? Uh, I guess I'll start with that. I mean, I, I think that one thing that we have to just always keep in mind, you know, in healthcare is that our, our customers, the people that we are serving, and some of them are coming to us, you know, voluntarily of their own free will. In my line of work, I'm an emergency physician by training. Most of the people that come to see me are coming there because there's something wrong. And when something is wrong, you know, people are frightened, they're fearful, they're afraid, they have no idea what's getting ready to happen. And so the, the experience that they have is much different than what you find if you go to an elegant restaurant or a resort or, or something like that. And so I think that in, in our profession, it's more important than ever to make a connection, you know, with the people to do the best that you can to listen, you know, to what their concerns are, what their fears are, and then do the best that you can, you know, to let them know what you can and can't do, because sometimes when people come to us in healthcare, they're expecting things that we just won't be able to deliver. And so I think it's very important that you set expectations with people along the way. And then the same thing with their family members, because if someone's in the hospital or if someone's receiving a healthcare service, there's almost always a healthcare member, or a loved one, you know, that's with them that has the same set of concerns um, that the patient does. So you wind up doing a little bit of double duty and more important than ever at this point in our lives because we're competing against that thing called Google where people use they're looking up all the information before they're coming to see you and after Google sure that you are saying the same thing that the computer told them before they came so it's an interesting challenging world to be in right now yeah that definitely would be a shift to have someone just looking up everything probably even between you coming in and out of the room I guess well, in Champaign-Urbana, because we have the university here, I remember it's not that unusual for people to come in with their manila envelope, and they would say to me, Dr. Knight, thank you very much for agreeing to take care of me today. I want to tell you what I want you to do for me today. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I think I already know what my diagnosis is. And I go, oh, well, let's listen and see what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, do- Dr. Knight and I began practice before there was an internet. I'm not sure if that's a boast or a, just a confession, but I, I, w- I agree. I think that, and on a human level, I think that, you know, we're trained to use those soft skills like empathy to see and feel what our patients are seeing and feeling. And so that patient experience is, a, is important. It's important to identify with that fear that the patient is experiencing or that anxiety to try to address it at the same time that we're trying to treat a disease process or even diagnose a disease process prior to treatment. So I think that it's very important to see the person as a whole and to address those components that are actually going to affect the clinical outcome for that patient. And I, I think that using that, the, the tenets of patient experience is important to uh, help guide them through the system, to help them navigate the various uh, stops along the way that they'll have to encounter from the parking lot to back to the parking lot again when they're, when they're all better. You made a great point about clinical outcomes. I'm going to come back to that. But I also want to touch base. Dr. Knight, you mentioned something that some people probably hadn't thought about before. When patients come to you in the emergency department, and Dr. Whelan, it's the same for you. I'm going to guess most of the time they're not excited to be there, that something's wrong, that things are not well in that in that situation. So in light of that, like what strategies do you use to make a connection? And then how do you know you've made one? Just because, you know, most of the time when I see people, I'm seeing them for the first time. I mean, because of the place that I practice, I actually see a lot of patients as repeat visitors. So I, for some of those people, I will have made a connection, but for the majority, you know, I don't. And so for me, you know, it's a matter of getting to them as soon as I can. Again, that's setting expectations because in the emergency department, we're always taking care of five, six, seven, eight different people at the same time. And so oftentimes the people sit in their room, they imagine, especially if they've never been there before, that the physician's going to come in within two minutes. So that's usually not true just because we're in the room with another patient and we're coming, you know, to see them. So we have to work really closely with our staff to make sure that they aren't setting expectations for the patients that are not correct. I really don't want them to say the, the doctor will be in to see you within two minutes. Well, they can't honestly say that because they don't really have any concept of what's going on with me and another patient that I'm seeing or the patient that diverts me as I was walking to the room to see them because they're more critically ill. And so expectation setting, I think, is really important. And then I think, you know, aid it. I mean, it's a great framework that you can use, you know, with patients. Let them know who you are because they have no idea who we are when they come in to see us. You know, letting them know know something about me, importantly, letting them know what the visit will look like, information that we have to gather, tests that we have to do, time frame that it's going to take, you know, for that visit uh, to occur. And then for us, decision-making disposition, what's going to happen with the patient you know, at the time that we're done uh, with the visit is really, really important. And so setting the stage, being as honest as you can. You know, we live in this world today where if, if people are like my children, they expect that within two minutes, you have the answer to everything that you ever want. And for people that come to see us in the emergency department, they sometimes think that what's gonna happen is gonna take 10 minutes. And when I tell them it's gonna take two and a half hours, I mean, their eyes get this big and they're like, what are you talking about? Nothing takes two and a half hours. I'm like, well, this will 
I'm not going to let you know that that's the reality of the situation. So I think if you set expectations, circle back to people, you know, take the time to listen, those things that John talked about, I think that you're able to, to make the connection. I like what you said about setting expectations. What about you, Dr. Wheland? Uh, when I first meet someone, I always try to make some type of connection that is that allows me to know something about them that's not part of their chief complaint. And it's a memory device, but it's also very comforting, I think, to people. It's Sometimes it, it can be a little disarming because they're expecting this intense discussion about some urgent surgical condition that they may have to deal with. And really, it's just trying to know something about them as a person. And really, the patient usually offers up some pearl or, or some small piece of information just in conversation that they may not think is important. Something like, well, I was vacationing last week. It's just easy to say, well, oh, where were you vacationing? And then to try to make some type of connection uh, along those lines. And that it just helps me try to, to make them unique. In surgery, we don't think of people as gallbladders or hernia. Is. And so it's, it's, again, it's that a little bit of a personalization, but it's also a memory technique. How do you think, and, and either one or both of you can answer this, how are those connections and that experience connected to clinical outcomes? Oh, I, I would say that they're intimately, you know, connected. You know, certainly if you've made a good connection with the patient, if you've communicated well with the patient, if you've met their expectations, you know, then in general, they're going to have a good feeling about you. Um, and at the same time, you have a good feeling about them. And the other thing that I would add is working closely with the people that you work with. I mean, the concept of managing up the other people. For example, me, when I'm referring a, a patient you know, to a surgeon, I mean, the people have no idea who that person is. So if I say something simple like, oh, you're going to see Dr. Wheeler, let me tell you, he's a great guy. You're really going to like him. He's flying high, you know, already. If I say, I know anything about the guy, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that we have to, you know, give our teammates credit, move them up, you know, in the eyes, you know, of other people. Um, and that just sets them on the course to be successful. Yeah, I think along that, the lines of communication, so improved communications among the care teams is very reassuring for patients. And actually, if you have that connection with your patient, they're much more likely to be compliant with treatment recommendations, with chronic disease management and screening tests that you feel are, are important. So, so many levels of outcomes that are directly related to that relationship that a patient can uh, identify with their physician. And primarily those are primary care physicians, but but something as simple as a phone call to me, for instance, as a as a surgeon to say, you know, Mrs. Jones is coming to see you. I think she's got, you know, X, Y, Z. So that when I see that patient, I can honestly and confidently say, Mrs. Jones, it's so nice to meet you. I've been expecting you. Dr. Smith has told me some things about you. And so let's chat further. And there you can see the difference. The body language changes. Uh, there's a relaxation and it really addresses some of those anxieties and some of that tension that a medical visit, an appointment with a stranger can create. Yeah, definitely. Could both or either of you share like a time when, and I'm sure there's been many, but when you've had a profound impact on a patient's life, how did that impact you? I remember very early in my 
practice, I, I saw a patient, uh, it was an elderly woman that needed emergency surgery, so fairly sick. And at the same time, it was a very straightforward problem. I was very confident that I had the skill set to take care of it. So operated on her, she did well. And just in the course of her post-op care, I was, she was in the hospital a few days and I was making rounds one day and the entire room was filled with people and it was her family. Just the deference that they gave me and just borderline sort of awe, uh, it made me realize that what I thought was a routine part of my practice or the skill that I had was completely world changing to these people. This was the matriarch and uh, it really had a profound effect on me that that outcome that she had affected so many people and the ripples in the pond from that single stone. And that's how a, a physician, that's how a system builds a reputation and builds on that reputation. And I say, you know, similar experience working at, you know, Donna Robinson and I had a young man, he had a health condition and he needed to be transferred to OSF in Peoria. But for whatever reason, we couldn't find an ambulance. It was going to be like the next day or something like that before the, the kid could go. And I was going home to Champaign and I just said to the mom, you know what, if you're willing to ride with me to Peoria, I'll take you. So I put them in my truck. Then you know, the young man could lay down in the back. We got him some pillows, we got him some blankets and we took off for Peoria. We finally got him where he was going. You know, the mom turned around, she hugged me, she's crying and you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, you know what? I, I think that that's one of the most reaffirming things in, in medicine because, you know, you do something like that and you get to see people truly appreciate what you did. You know, this was a favor, but because it's just, it's a, it's a feeling unlike any other. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they didn't expect you to give them a ride. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure that they will never forget that. So I have some really quick, fun question, but this is either or. I'm just going to give two options. I want you to choose which you like best. No explanation, no discussion. Super simple. Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Mountains. Lakes or oceans? Oceans. Lakes. Cars or planes? Cars. Cars. The ability to fly or the ability to be invisible? Flight. And I want everybody to see me. I don't want to be invisible. Flight for me too. Okay. Ease into the pool slowly or jump right in. I ease in. <laughs> I'm, pick, I'm seeing some differences here. Definitely. And then finally, um, time travel to the past or time travel to the future. Uh, I say time travel to the past. I definitely want to go to the past. Yeah. Lots of things I would like to go back and see. I, I want to bring antibiotics with me, but I, I'll, <laughs> I, I still want to go. <laughs> Said like a true physician. And a good pair of shoes. Yes. <laughs> And pair of shoes. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, both of you. This was great. I really appreciate it. It was great talking with both of you. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. Thanks so much to both of you for being here today. I love this conversation. It was wonderful. And I know other people are really going to appreciate it as well. And um, we'll really enjoy, I think, hearing your, your perspectives on, on patient experience. So, and thanks to all of you for listening to the podcast. Uh, please, Go back and listen to our past episodes. You can find them by going to the Carl Experience Click page. If you look at the page on the top, there's a banner for the podcast. Click there. You're going to find our past episodes. And be sure to visit the page frequently to look for future episodes. <laughs>